This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, well, well. Welcome in to our latest edition of the recaps of Buccaneer football, including a 38-31 come-from-behind win against the L.A. Chargers. And I say as we begin the show, something that I have been saying already on these podcasts, we'll say here, we'll say again many more times. That's why Tom Brady is a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. After what we saw in Tampa, Florida on October the 4th, 2020, yet again, this time in Buccaneer colors, not in New England Patriots, uh, dark blue and gray, but rather Buccaneer, uh, white mainly with pewter and red. Uh, man, did the, uh, did, the, uh, did the Hall of Famer look like everything we had hoped? I know it's early on in the year. I know you still got a long way to go and a lot of winning to do before you get to the postseason and win postseason games and try to uh, contend or win a Super Bowl. But to see a guy light up a solid L.A. Charger team in the second half of that game the way he did, it was surgical. And it was great to see it in Buccaneer colors and in front of fans at Raymond James Stadium. I know that we were excited to have fans back in for the second home game after the eerie first win over the Carolina Panthers with no fans in the stands. So to have some atmosphere, including the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning there with the cup in the suite, uh, Captain Steven Stamkos, Andre Vasilevsky, the goalie, Nikita Kucherov, the outstanding scorer, uh, Alex Kalorn and, and his Harvard buddy Cameron Braid had the 84 Braid jersey on. Uh, Giselle, Tom's wife, Tom Brady's wife in the suite with them with the cup. How cool was all of that to have that atmosphere back at Raymond James? The coolest thing of all, though, is three wins in a row. And let me say, uh, three wins in a row does not mean that you've won anything, the division, much less anything in the NFC playoffs. I'm not going to come in here on this podcast and be anything other than realistic and honest with you. However, I will say this after the a Nothing But Butts podcast after the Saints. Did I not say, show me what they look like in October? Show me what they look like later in October and November, these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On, on both sides of the ball, all the way around, coaching staff, special teams, all of it. Show me what they look like. And so far, so good on the turnaround. Because right now, the Buccaneers are pointing in the right direction, headed on a short week to a Thursday game with the Chicago Bears in the Windy City with a chance, with a chance to win four straight, and you got to start going back. Uh, on the last time the Bucks had put four wins together, it would be the the end of the 2016 season, actually, when they were making a playoff run and won five games in a row. So you savor these, you savor stacking wins, like we talked about with Rondé Barber on this podcast last week. Take this victory after a 17 point first half deficit. Take the win. Take the three and one start. And we will. All right, so let me set the table for you on what we have uh, here. And by the way, however you found us, through a social media link, the Buccaneers mobile app, uh, Buccaneers.com, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast through the Buccaneers mobile app. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, Apple, uh, et cetera, et cetera, find nothing but Bucks. Hit the subscribe link. It'll come automatically to you after game day. And now this will be uh, something to your benefit because keep in mind, this typically is a Monday podcast after a Sunday game, but the podcast will come automatically to you on Friday after the Thursday night game with the Bears. We're going to have a couple of Monday night games subsequently 
uh, with the Giants and with the Rams. So the day after the game press conference or the day after the game podcast, the day after the game uh, analysis of the highlights, the interviews, etc., that's why you want to subscribe. So however you can subscribe to the show, do it. Ding, it comes automatically to your phone, your iPad, your handheld device. Subscribe away to nothing but bucks. Search it there in the Apple Podcast Store. Uh, find it through the Buccaneers mobile app and subscribe. Uh, we would love to continue to grow and grow and grow as the Buccaneers do as well. All right, so to set the table, we got highlights forthcoming of the comeback win that saw Tom Brady tie a Tampa Bay Buccaneer record with five touchdown passes and to five different receivers and had a shot at six, had a shot at a six-pack of touchdown passes in the fourth quarter of this game. So we'll play the highlights, uh, including the crucial second-half highlights of what was a wild game, and credit the Chargers here. And how about the rookie Justin Herbert, who looks fantastic, especially throwing the long ball, the rookie out of Oregon, the Rose Bowl-winning quarterback, uh, delivered so uh, they stuck they stuck in there and battled coming all the way cross country to play an early game on their body clocks for for Sunday 10 a.m Pacific time but the Bucks were just better and Brady demonstrated why he's a Hall of Famer and the Bucks again if I said once this offseason and I and I got the privilege to do interviews all over the country all over the place all over the globe even in Europe with our, our buddy Paul Stewart with his buckpower.com website based out of London. Uh, and those doing interviews nationally, whether it's Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio, uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio with my buddy JT The Brick. I did interviews in Hawaii. I did interviews in Vermont. I did interviews in Canada. I did interviews in California. I'm going on and on. In the South, in Texas, in New England, uh, in Boston, in Hartford. Interview after interview. And if I said this once, I said it 39 times on all these different interviews. The Buccaneers are so deep at receiver, at running back. And this was before I even knew that they had Leonard Fournette at the end, obviously, of, of August and Fournette being cut loose by the Jaguars and signed at the last minute before the opening game with the Saints by the Buccaneers and basically had no work in, in August at all with his team and had to get acclimated to the new playbook and everything and now couldn't even play in the fourth game because of an ankle uh, problem. But I said so deep at wide receiver, so deep at tight end, with the addition of Rob Gronkowski to a tight end room that has O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid, receiving core from Evans and Godwin, the Pro Bowlers, to Justin Watson and Scotty Miller and, and different guys that can make plays on this team. Running back room that has Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, and now Leonard Fournette and a Keyshawn Vaughn that you drafted, who is right out of the mold of what the Patriots used to use with guys like Deion Lewis out of the backfield or James White out of the backfield, Keyshawn Vaughn looked like James White or Deion Lewis catching the ball from Tom Brady Sunday against the Chargers. That this team is so deep at the receiving core and running back core that you can afford injuries, you can afford uh, maybe some poor play from this guy or that guy in a certain game and make up for it. And you saw that on Sunday spreading the ball around to all of these different weapons. And I know the Bucs are banged up at receiver. And O.J. Howard, such a great guy uh, off the field. To have an Achilles injury for him that is likely ending his season, he's going to have to have Achilles surgery, it looks like. Awful. But the Bucs are deep enough. At tight end, you haven't even talked about Tanner Hudson, a guy that's been a preseason star previously for this team that was getting a chance to play yesterday. 
as an extra tight end with Gronk and with with Brady. You saw what Scotty Miller can do when given the chance. Tyler Johnson, the rookie wide receiver out of Minnesota, and and how talented he is. Just wait, Buccaneer fans, on how talented he is, and he can get deep as well. He's got wheels. So this team is deep uh, at all these positions, and I kept preaching this, and I kept saying to the New England ones in particular, that you think Tom Brady was getting it done the last two or three years with what he had to work with. Yes, Julian Edelman. Yes, Gronk at the very end, but Gronk wasn't there last year. That that cast that Brady had around him last year in New England versus this year, Pinto. Pinto versus a Ferrari. And you saw what he could do with the Ferrari on Sunday. Nearly 400 yards passing. At one point, Tom Brady completed 14 out of 15 passes after the touchdown to Mike Evans at the end of the first half and all the way into the fourth quarter, 14 out of 15 for like 260-something yards and four touchdowns. It was ridiculous uh, what the stat line was. The weapons are there, is my point. And the defense is better in a second year under Todd Bowles' system with a ton of these guys back. Man, the future looks bright right now for the Bucs in this 2020 season and even in the short term, 2021, et cetera, et cetera. Let's don't get ahead of ourselves for next year, 2022, any of that. But for right now, the future looks very bright for what the Buccaneers are doing. That is for sure. All right, so we'll get into the highlights. We're going to hear from head coach Bruce Arians. We're going to hear from Ali Marpet off the offensive line here on Nothing But Bucks. They were part of our Hooters postgame show. Comments from Tom Brady. Comments from Mike Evans and Scotty Miller. Miller with a big touchdown catch in the second half of this game. Mike Evans, another 100-yard game, another touchdown catch in this game. Uh, and also from ESPN and their coverage, national uh, NFL reporter, uh, insider Jeff Darlington, who has done this for many years, uh, previously also with the NFL Network, now with ESPN for about the last five years. Jeff at the game yesterday, Bucks and Chargers at Raymond James Stadium. Let me hear from him and his perspective on how this team looked, how Brady looked, the weapons, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich as coordinators for Bruce Arians. We'll get Jeff Darlington's perspective here on Nothing But Bucks. So there you go. I've set the table. Let's now set it up from a highlight standpoint. As the Buccaneers came in looking to make it three straight, rarely play the Chargers, as we were talking about in the buildup. Only every four years, just like the Broncos the previous week as an AFC West opponent, and only every eight years in your own stadium. Hadn't played the Chargers since the 2012 season, which was a victory over Phillip Rivers and the then San Diego Chargers that year. Now the L.A. Chargers, as they have moved a couple of hours north, and they came in smarting a bit after losing to Carolina last week, and the, and the Bucs were looking to put it on them early, and did so with a 75-yard opening drive that culminated here with Brady finding another one of those weapons in depth. One running back on the side of right hip, and that is Cameron Brady tied in. Empty backfield now. The pass, and caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Cameron Brady, where have you been? Spike that football, number 84. How about that? These are the calls of the Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore on Buccaneers Radio. And yes, Cameron Brate's first catch of the season is a touchdown catch from eight yards out. Buccaneers up immediately, 7-0. Best case scenario, coming right out with a great touchdown drive uh, to put it on the Chargers. Now, the Chargers undaunted. As I mentioned, Justin Herbert is a number one pick out of Oregon. Big at 6'5", 6'5 and a half, and about 235 pounds can run and can also launch it long, as he did here. 
Play action fake. Herbert dropping it, though. Has all kinds of time. Throws the deep ball for the first time. Got a receiver in the area. It's a caught ball. Touchdown, L.A. Chargers. A long bomb. Downfield, and Herbert rears back and throws the big pass and connects to Tyron Johnson, just activated off the practice squad today. How about a practice squad uh, wide out in Tyron Johnson called up for this game. He got behind the Bucks secondary. I know Bucks defensive coordinator Todd Bowles unhappy with his young safeties in Antoine Winfield and also Jordan Whitehead. The two W's back there. They're both playing deep safety. You can't let Tyron Johnson run past you if you're playing deep safety on that. you got to make sure one is over the top at least, if not both are battling over the top. Great play by the Chargers, and it got them back in the game, and it would start their momentum run. The Bucs then put a drive together, got into scoring range, and then for the second time this year, it bit Tom Brady on an out route. Brady has time, throws a pass, far side of the It's picked off, intercepted down the far sideline. The Chargers are going to take the lead. It's Michael Davis with a pick six from the 20 all the way down to the north end zone. An 80-yard interception return, and the Chargers have taken the lead at 13-7. Yeah, Charger defensive back Michael Davis just sitting in coverage, read Tom Brady's eyes on the out route, broke on the football immediately, 80 yards the other way on the interception return and so the Chargers immediately now have momentum and are working their way eventually to a 24 to 7 lead and you know uh this was a point in time at Raymond James Stadium when you're looking around because Herbert led another scoring drive for a touchdown on Todd Bowles's defense the offense going three and out you're facing adversity here and the Chargers were building the lead and the Bucks were unable to really stop that momentum as the Chargers eventually scored 24 straight points on a Michael Badgley field goal late in the first half. The Bucks then gave up the ball, trying to get uh, points at the end of the half, and ended up punting and pinning, uh, no pun intended, Bradley Pinion, pinning the Chargers inside their own 10. And this would be an important situation because pinning them inside of their own 10-yard line inside their own five-yard line, and they even got a penalty to back them up, I believe, inside the uh, it was right around the six, the five, something like that, that they would trigger the first play. Uh, This was uh, a crazy decision, honestly, by the Chargers. The Bucs with only one timeout left. The Chargers could have knelt on the ball three times and gone to the locker room. Instead, thank you, Anthony Lynn. Thank you, Chargers. Thank you for this botched handoff. Inside draw play of the Bucks red draw, and what a splatter play. Right up the gun, and Dominican Sue, did he force a fumble? Did the Bucks come up with the ball? And Dominican Sue with a collision, and the Bucks get the ball back. And Dominican Sue with the hit as the fumble happens uh, on this play. Uh, Justin Jackson fumbling it. Devin White came up with the ball, and the Bucks a golden opportunity now to not just get three points that they were looking for at the end of the half, down 24-7, but go ahead and get seven and get yourself right back in the game. Brady threw incomplete on the first couple of attempts, but as they have been now all all season, really, inside the red zone, especially goal to go, lethal, and on third down, Mike Evans uh, open in the back. Tom Brady found him. Evans in motion, third down goal from the six. Brady takes the snap, looks, looks, looks upfield. He's going to run. Brady throws a pass. Throws the, caught ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Great leaping catch in the end zone. Mike, Mike Evans. Evans, fifth touchdown. Great leaping catch, and, he, and you saw in the replay, Evans signal to Tom Brady, hey, throw it high. 
Got that huge catch radius, 6'5", the long arms. Put it up. Put it up where I can go get it. He was open in the back of the end zone. Great connection there. Huge momentum swing. You're going into the locker room down 24-7, except you get the turnover. Again, benevolent by the Chargers. Uh, one of the things that we say all the time about these games, little things can lead to big things. And that little thing led to a touchdown and a momentum-flipping situation for the Bucs in the second half of this one. We talked to head coach Bruce Arians going to the locker room. I said, hey, what, what are you going to do to try to build on this, to try to stop the Chargers? He said, hey, we got to stop giving up the big play, stop making mistakes to kill ourselves, and we're going to be fine. Boy, was he right. As the, as the Bucs came out in the second half, stopped the Chargers on the opening drive, and then got the football themselves, and it, it would start really a run, almost like a basketball run of points as the Bucks come out in half number two and make play after play uh, here to start the second half. This was an eight-play, 69-yard drive culminating right here with Brady going to the air again. Play action fake, dropping Brady, looks toward the end zone. Brady throws toward O.J. Howard, makes the catch, touchdown Tampa Bay, fire them cannons, O.J. on the run, skinny post, it's six for the Bucks. 28 yards officially on that touchdown catch. Brady just surgical uh, with that one. And you're looking for the top matchup. They spread the Chargers out. They got one-on-one -on -one down the field because they knew uh, that with four weapons going vertical down the field, somebody's going to have a one-on-one -on -one opportunity. And, and Howard's just too big, too fast in that instance. Again, depth of receiving core, depth of talent. That's what you have to give credit to here at this point. Uh, for Tom Brady with that touchdown to O.J. Howard. And again, it's just unfortunate that later in the game, he suffers the Achilles injury in the fourth quarter and will likely be lost for the year and have Achilles surgery. But at this point, with I mean, I, I will say this. When, when they got the touchdown to end the half, it's easy for me to say, being on the broadcast crew, it's easy for the media, for the fans to say this. I had every belief you're going to come back and win the game in the second half, down 24-14. I was completely convinced after this march down the field and touchdown, they're winning this game. Tom Brady's not losing this game now that you're back within four. He's going to get the ball multiple times the rest of the game, and, and the Chargers are not going to stop Tom Brady. And boy, did that turn out to be correct because you get the ball back again in this instance, and you once again uh, make play after play. Uh, after Michael Badgley missed the field goal, the Bucks were energized, and in two plays were quickly right back down the field to get in the end zone again. Inside, play action play. Then a post run, caught Scotty Miller. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. No, all Buccaneers lead. Bucks lead for the first time since early in the ball game. How about that shot to Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller hauls in that touchdown catch. We'll hear from Scotty Miller in a couple of moments. To cap off the two plays, 63 yards, bam, bam, you're in the end zone, and it's 28 to 24 in favor of the Buccaneers. And Brady was on that roll, completing pass after pass after pass in the third quarter. We don't have it featured here, but Ronald Jones was running tough even at this stage of the third quarter, picking up a couple of first downs, tough yards on first down, uh, getting into second and short, et cetera, or, or putting them in a, in a positive situation, second and short, second and medium, third and medium, third and short. So Ronald Jones running tough, the pass game clicking. Uh, unfortunately, the Chargers hit the big play again. Herbert going up top again. Uh, and and really, that was shocking to see. It was an all-out blitz. They brought like two extra guys for the Bucks 
on a third down play, and Jalen Guyton, the rookie, got behind the defense, got behind Sean Murphy bunting in one-on-one coverage. 72-yard touchdown. And credit the Chargers. Again, Herbert is the real deal, it looks like, right now. And the Chargers are going to have a lot of success, it looks like, this season and in the future with him at quarterback. So they weren't quitting, but the Buccaneers also not quitting. Now back behind in the game at 31-28. The Buccaneers would put another drive together. Uh, This time looking to take the lead in the fourth quarter in the red zone where they've been so good. Uh, this season. Uh, Coming in, they were 9 for 11 in this game. Three more red zone appearances and three more touchdowns for the Bucs, including this one to the rookie running back. Here's the snap at Scotty Miller. Grady throws a pass near sideline. Caught ball by Vaughn. 3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Vaughn's first catch of his career. And it's six for the Bucs. Fire the cannon. How about Keyshawn Vaughn's first catch as a Buccaneer is a touchdown from Tom Brady. There could be a lot of guys. <laughs> Cam Brake could say the same thing as a veteran. My first catch from Brady, it was a touchdown against Chargers. Keyshawn Vaughn, my first catch in the NFL, it's a touchdown from Tom Brady in a goal-to-go situation. Um, and, and again, the Buccaneers able to get momentum back, lead 35-31. They got the ball again. They ran the clock. They ran the ball and ran the clock. Again, we don't have a highlight of Ronald Jones bashing it, but it was a 12-play, 72-yard drive. Took six minutes off the clock, and then ultimately you wanted a chance to get seven points. You didn't get it. Uh, Ryan Suckup kicked the field goal to put you up by seven points, 38-31. So you killed clock, you got the touchdown lead, and you now were putting all the pressure back on the Chargers to try to do something in the final two, two and a half minutes of the game. And this is when the Buccaneer defense turned it up. Here's the snap, play action, take Herbert dropping it, though, throws a deep ball to Alfield, and it's intercepted, picked off with the 50, Carlton Davis has the interception, down the near sideline, flying throw to the 30, inside the 25, tightrope walking down the sideline and out of bounds. The pressure on Herbert, and he throws the interception, Carlton Davis, second straight time to clinch a home game in the fourth quarter with a big interception, Davis comes up with that one, Buccaneers end up running the clock out with Ronald Jones on the ground. Tremendous, tremendous to uh, to watch and witness all of that unfold as the Bucks go on to a 38-31 win in uh, in this one. Three straight victories come from behind. Second biggest comeback win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in team history. Uh, only a 21-point comeback in Kansas City in 2008 was greater than this 17-point uh, comeback win. Tom Brady again matching a Tampa Bay Buccaneer record with five touchdown passes. It's the first time that a Buck had five touchdown passes since Jameis Winston's rookie year when he threw five touchdown passes in the game in Philadelphia in November of 2015. Brady, 30 of 46, 369, the five touchdowns, the first half interception. At one point, Brady, after the Mike Evans touchdown in the in the at the end of the first half, Brady completed 14 of his next 15 passes going into the fourth quarter. How about that uh, for efficient and four touchdowns to go along with that? Not just dink and dunk. Uh, the Evans touchdown and then the other three to O.J. Howard, Scotty Miller, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Lethal offense from the Bucks. They did enough defensively to hold off the Chargers. A team win. And, uh, and the Buccaneers able to get it done. Again, Ronald Jones, 111 yards on the ground. So the Bucs get 
111 from him. They get 122 yards from Mike Evans, which I believe that is now his 26th 100-yard game of his career and and looked like the number one receiver that you would expect. Scotty Miller, five catches, 83 yards. O.J. Howard, three catches, 50 yards in this one. Most important numbers, 38-31. And without a doubt, Tom Brady happy for the win, but knows there is still some room for improvement as we go along. It's good. You know, it's a long season and we're 25% of the way through. So it's not early anymore. You know, we have a decent sample size. We got to figure out what we're good at, what we're not good at, and keep working to get better. And uh, the guys that haven't had much of a role got to find a way to find a role for themselves. And the guys that have got to keep improving it and increasing it. And I I know we have a lot of playmakers out there, but we got to continue to gain trust in one another more dependable and consistent and ultimately play you know well for 60 minutes and see what it looks like if we can do that and they will have to get it together quickly with the bears we'll talk more about them coming up here in a couple of moments uh again the buccaneer receivers had to be happy mike evans was asked after this game seven catch day 122 yards had the touchdown late in the first half he was asked about the attitude at halftime what was being said as the bucks came out of the locker room and had four successive scoring drives three touchdowns and a field goal after intermission here was what mike had to say at halftime i went to the back to get iv so i don't I'm sure the guys were saying, you know, just keep keep fighting, keep playing, and, and things are going to turn our way. And they did. You know, I, I knew in the back of my mind that, you know, we they, we were getting what we wanted on offense, just didn't make the plays that we could have made. And then the second half, we made more plays. Again, so many different weapons, but that guy is the go-to guy for this, uh, for this offense and for Tom Brady. Mike Evans, seven more catches, averaged 17 yards a catch, one big first down catch after another. And another touchdown in the game in the Bucks win. And Scotty Miller, second-year player out of Bowling Green, outstanding job getting vertical, stretching the defense uh, for this team. Uh, he is a he is a weapon that they can utilize in the in the speed part of stretching the defense. And he caught a touchdown from Tom Brady here again. Uh, you get to catch a touchdown from Tom Brady. That's a great thing to add to your Buccaneer accomplishments. And he talked about being poised and confident with Brady at the helm for the comeback. How can you not believe in him? He's the greatest to ever do it. So we just go in there and follow his lead, and we know he's going to get the job done, so we just got to do what we do and help him out a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, we, I mean, we saw they were, they were sitting flat-footed on a couple of our routes. I think that's why you saw they got the pick six. I think Jay White was running an out route. Um, so just little stuff like that the coaches picked up on, and then um, they added a couple of plays to the game plan at halftime, and then we took some shots and ended up paying off. We, had a, we made a lot of big plays. Again, I know we're focusing a lot on the offense uh, here, and rightfully so, but Levante David, another double-figure takeaway game. Again, and Dominican Sue helping strip that ball out of there at the end of the first half is a big play, and Carlton Davis helps seal it at the end for the Bucs in the win. So enough defensive plays made. Chargers only got the one big play, the one big bomb in the second half of their only score. Bucs stopped them over and over again. Badgley missed a key field goal. Uh, again, the turf was was uh, soggy going especially towards the north end zone because that's where Ryan Suckup missed earlier going towards the north end zone with the, uh, the, the turf being a little unsteady, uh, being soggy. And the same thing for Badgley in the second half. Um, it, the, the kicks were just, it was an adventure, but then Suckup made a field goal going that way too um and and helped uh increase things in the fourth quarter to 38 31 when he made that key field goal so same for both teams dealing with it in the conditions and the bucks come away with the win and when it was done on our hooters post game show 
the happy head coach was with us immediately after this one was over. Coach Bruce Arians on a three-game win streak, a 17-point comeback, and a win in front of fans at Raymond James Stadium. Congratulations. How did you spin this game back in your favor and put it away, Coach? Well, I think the big play of the game was Dominic Sue getting that fumble right before half and then Tom finding the end zone for a touchdown. You know, three points would have been uh, so-so right there. We got a touchdown. I think that came into the locker room. Uh, the guys were, you know, we found out how much character we have. And uh, I think last year at this point we'd have got our ass beat by 20, but this year we got a lot of character, a lot of playmakers, <laughs> and they realized when we play our best, we're going to be hard to beat. To that end, you come out of that locker room and get three touchdowns and a field goal on the four drives before killing the clock at the end. First four drives were all scores. The first three of them were touchdowns. What adjustments, if any, were you making there to have that kind of success? I think the biggest thing, we ran the ball well. Rojo had a heck of a ball game and set up a lot of easy play-action throws for Tom. And then we went deep. You know, we, we found their corners one-on-one. -on -one. We got Scotty. We got Mike and, uh, and then Gronk down the, down the middle, too. So I think we took some shots and we hit them. Tom played fantastic. And uh, I just got to coach him up better on that one play, and, and we'll be fine. Uh, he spread the ball to five different receivers for touchdowns, two big ones, one to O.J. Howard, who was one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker, and later you got Scotty Miller, Scott Free, uh, there late in the third quarter. Just uh, say something about getting matchups you liked and then taking advantage for six. Yeah, again, I, I think we came out and, and uh, we, we liked the matchup with Scotty, and uh, Tom did a good job looking off the safety and, and put it out there. Scotty went and got it, came right back with a hard play action, and they bit it for Scotty's touchdown. And then uh, great play to OJ. And then a great play to Gronk. Uh, like I said, Tom just played lights out in the second half. As this game was winding down in the fourth quarter, you're trying to kill the clock. You got the field goal. You put the defense back out on the field. And again, a turnover seals it. A play by Carlton Davis right in front of you near midfield. Give me your perspective on that play as it basically sealed the game. Yeah, great pressure. Made him throw a high ball. And... Uh, you know, he overthrew Keenan, and, and Carlton makes a great play. I would have liked to see Le, Le, I don't know if it was Levante or uh, Devin hit, got that block in the back, or we'd have had to ball down there for a touchdown. So uh, just a little better after we, we get those interceptions, but I like the way we iced the game. You know, mentality is a big part of this, and psyche is a big part of this, and it's easy for us as broadcasters, the media, or fans to say, hey, you've got a Hall of Famer out there. But what was the attitude as this second half unfolded because you had been down by 17? It seemed to be a very confident, very poised team, like, hey, we can overcome this. Is that accurate? I don't think there's any doubt. You know, Tom's leadership, uh, because we took the lead and then gave up that long touchdown pass, when we blitzed and didn't cover properly. So uh, then we went right back down the field, took the lead back. And I think that speaks volume of the character. I thought our offensive line was just fantastic. They didn't get near time and did a great job in the running game. I think Rojo had over 100. And, you know, can't say enough about the offensive line and tight ends today. Well, you talk about next man up. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn pressed into duty with Leonard Fournette out for this game. And then LaShawn McCoy injured earlier in the game. You go to the rookie from Vanderbilt, and he ends up getting what turns out to be the clinching touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, again, just tell me about how he has developed, and that is a huge play when you analyze this game. No, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, we had figured we had a good shot at getting the back in the flat. He does a good job of catching the ball, but yeah, he's been working his tail off. You know, he's got those veterans in front of him, and I told him, I said, look, 
when your time comes, it's going to be huge. It's going to be in a critical situation, so be ready. He was more than ready to, to deliver today. And this team did deliver one more. You now have a short week with the Chicago Bears on the road. Just take us through what the next 72 to 96 hours are going to be like. Well, our guys are already starting to, to, to game prep uh, with uh, getting their bodies ready to go for a Thursday night game. It is not easy because we will not have a day off. We'll go straight into walkthroughs and meetings tomorrow and have a very long day tomorrow. Walkthroughs on Tuesday, get on the plane Wednesday and tee it up Thursday night. Coach, good luck. Congratulations on the win here this afternoon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Love the veteran coaching staff. We're going to talk more here on Nothing But Bucks coming up uh, with Jeff Darlington of ESPN about having Todd Bowles, about having Byron Leftwich around uh, Bruce Arians here. And not only that, Harold Goodwin, the run game coordinator, Keith Armstrong, a veteran coach, as a special teams coach. It is no coincidence that, that when you're behind and you're facing adversity, that a team with a veteran coaching staff to make adjustments, keep players calm, yes, everything revolves around the Hall of Fame quarterback. But there was more than just quarterback play that went into the adjustments on offense and especially on the defensive side of the ball that's got nothing to do with TB12. you got to be able to make those plays, and the Bucs were able to make those plays uh, on, on defense when the time was needed. Uh, so the veteran coaching staff will talk more about that with Jeff Darlington of ESPN in just a second. I want you to hear from Ali Marpet. Those guys, those guys in the middle making plays as the offensive lineman, opening holes for Ronald Jones, protecting Tom Brady. Ali Marpet, fantastic uh, left guard. You know why he's fantastic? Because you don't ever hear his name called for mistakes or holding penalties or whatever. You know he's doing his job. He's road grading for the run game. He's helping pass protect. One of the leaders on this team. Love the way that he has developed. Love talking to him. And on our on our Hooters postgame show after this was done, uh, Ali joined us here to talk about the comeback, keeping the poise, and being 3-1. and one. We got offensive guard Ali Marpet after a 38-31 comeback victory. Ali, congratulations on the victory. We have been talking on the postgame show, including with the head coach, about the turnaround in the second half. Why did things turn around for 24 straight points out of the locker room? So I think that both offensively, defensively, special teams, we just played to our ability, right? I think in the first half, uh, we weren't playing to our ability, and I think that uh, we stayed the course. I think that um, uh, we were the better team, and, and I think it showed. One thing that we keep coming back to, the ability to run the ball and get you in second and short, keep you out of second and long and third and long, even though – Brady has all the highlight throws. How vital was running the ball throughout the day? Yeah, so I don't have the, the numbers or anything in front of me, but it felt like we were efficient when we were on the ball. It felt like we were able to get four a pop, four a pop, and put us in good positions. And I feel like that's something that we really honestly haven't done uh, as well in, the, in our previous game. So it felt good to, to lean on them, get some good, good runs. And, you know, that always sets up the passing game. So I felt like a a good second half for us. Ronald Jones did go over 100 yards uh, in the in the game, including there on the fourth okay. quarter drive that clinched it. Tom Brady tied a Buccaneer record, five touchdown passes today. We're just curious, on the sideline in the huddle, how composed was he, how composed therefore and poised were you guys as the second half was unfolding, even though you'd been behind by as much as 17? Right, even though we were down, I felt like there was a confidence that we'd be able to get it done. Uh, offensively, I knew that uh, if sorry if the, if the defense were able to get some turnovers and give us some opportunities, that we'd uh, we'd be able to score on them. So at least uh, it felt really good. It felt re 
Tom was confident. The whole offense is very confident that we, if we were given our opportunities, we'd be able to finish them out. What about the mentality on basically the clinching drive, which was the field goal drive where you chewed up about five minutes of the clock and it resulted in the field goal? Take me back, if anything, that you remember what's being said about trying to close the game out when it was 35-31. Yeah, I think we all understood that that was the most important drive of the game. I think we all uh, ultimately wanted a touchdown, but I think that uh, Tom reiterated, this is the drive, this is the drive that's going to get it done. Um, this is where all our, you know, this is the important one. And I think that uh, uh, everyone took that to heart. And I think that uh, everyone played, you know, their best draft. And one more. You're now 3-1 and one and getting ready to play the Chicago Bears coming up on a short week. you got to put this one to bed. Even though you enjoy you got to put this one to bed quickly, do you not, and get ready for the next one that's coming within four days here. Right, yeah. So tomorrow we're, we're back to work. We'll put this one to bed in the morning and then, in the afternoon, we start on uh, Chicago, so it's it's a sh- really short uh, a window, but uh, we'll enjoy it tonight and tomorrow morning, and then it's on to Chicago. I think uh, they'll probably be doing the same thing, and I, I think uh, um, you know we're going to be motivated and excited to play up up there in uh, Chicago. Great playing today as an offense again. Brady threw for nearly 400 yards and five touchdown passes, matching a Buccaneer record. Congratulations, Allie, on the win. Thank you. I appreciate that. You could tell in his voice, the 100-yard rushing game helped set everything up. Buccaneers had near 500 yards of offense in this game, especially in the second half of this game, just dominated the Chargers. When you score three touchdowns on long drives, not short fields, when you score a field goal at the end on another drive that could have been a touchdown, and that's the first four drives, and the last drive is the the kill-the-clock drive, Offensive line and the offense did whatever they wanted. Dominant, dominant second half for the Bucs over the Chargers in the win to prove, uh, to improve to 3-1 and one and to prove to everybody, hey, it's a long season like Tom Brady was saying, and, and through the first part of this, you've gotten it done. All right, uh, again, some more insight and analysis here on Nothing But Bucks with a special guest, national perspective, and more. Let's get to it. Yes, indeed. Better than me just going on and on about the comeback win. Let's talk more about it with a national perspective. I saw him in the press box yesterday. We exchanged conversation, uh, photos of my twins, talking about his kids and school. And oh, by the way, uh, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady are a much (laughs) bigger deal than us and our families. Jeff Darlington of ESPN, national football reporter and insider, was there covering Bucks and Chargers and has agreed to come on the Nothing But Bucks podcast to tell us about what he saw. Thank you for doing this. And that that really uh, was a tale of two games because the Chargers were in command and then they weren't because of Tom Brady. How are you? Yeah, no doubt. And first of all, our kids are definitely more important than Tom Brady. Let's be honest, <laughs> at least to us. Uh, they're almost, actually, you know what? I take that back. They're not as important as Tom Brady, not even to me. <laughs> um, but look, I, I mean, that was awesome. That was a great, that was a great second half. And honestly, I would say that, you know, the funny thing is it's a, it was a one o'clock game in week four. So generally speaking, I would imagine most of the, uh, NFL sports world probably didn't see the, the play-by-play blows or the brilliance of Tom Brady in the second half. So it probably... It, you know, they see the stats and, and realize he had a nice game. But truly, if that was in prime time, people would have been going nuts. Sure. I mean, that second half was 
by far the first glimpse of greatness that we've seen from Tom Brady in the Bucks uniform. But really, beyond that, I mean, the guy is 43 years old. He completed 15 of 17 passes, 263 yards, three touchdowns, and a perfect pass rating in the second half. Like, that is, that should not be overstated. That cannot be overstated. That is a really, really impressive accomplishment. Well, and there had been so much talk, uh, you know, because we want to overreact, over-exaggerate, uh, write people off that after the Saints game, oh, he, he, does he have the arm anymore? He's yeah. 43 years old, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to see occasional passes, uh, and we've now seen it again with another pick six in this game, where you shake your head. But my Lord, after that, you saw one pass after another that was just... Yeah. Right on the money. Now, again, that's me saying that. You've covered so many of his games, and the Bucks do have a wealth of weapons, injuries aside. But did this not look similar to what you've seen time and again in the biggest games, playoff games, et cetera, from Tom Brady, even though it was a regular season game? Well, yeah, and so, too, is the start of this season. I mean, I think that people try so hard to fit whatever they want into whatever narrative that they want. And for people, when they see Tom Brady throw a pass that gets jumped and taken to the end zone, they say, oh, that's because he's old. It's, that's not the first time that Tom Brady has thrown an inter- interception uh, or one that's been returned for a touchdown. Like, that stuff happens. And it's going to happen more in a system that is going to require Tom to take more risks than maybe he took in New England. But, you know, also, as Bruce Arian says, no risk it, no biscuit. So, like, there's, those things are going to happen. It doesn't mean that that's the result of his age. I, I find it fascinating, and I have for the past several years, even when he was in New England, when you have these people like Max Kellerman and, and um, the, the pundits who are so uh, quick each year to just say he's done. And, and you know, Max is a, a coworker of mine and great mm-hmm. respect for him, but he's still – He's like, it, it just, it baffles me that we're incapable of just enjoying the ride, appreciating the greatness. And when he eventually falls off, as everybody in the world does, because that's what happens as we get older, it'll happen. But in the meantime, it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know why everybody is so, you know, jumpy to try to be the first to predict his demise. Because when you try to do that, this is what happens. He has a second half (laughs) that is absolutely brilliant. And we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the regular season or in the playoffs, but at least for right now, you saw the capabilities. Um, I thought one of the interesting aspects of of the game, and we just played an interview before you came on on this podcast from Ali Marpet, the left guard, about the run game. It's not it's not sexy necessarily in the in the pass happy twenty twenty NFL to talk about running the ball, but the Bucks' ability to run it with Ronald Jones helped set up everything else they wanted to do, especially in that comeback play action, etc. And that bodes well because Tampa Bay has not, maybe for a decade, Jeff, been able to consistently run the ball. That'll be important moving forward. Yeah, no question. But, you know, the other thing, look, they're not where they need to be. Like, there's definitely things that the Bucs need to clean up before they are really a team capable of making a postseason run. And I would argue that Ronald Jones' ability to catch the ball mm-hmm. out of the backfield is one of those things. Uh no, you know, I think it's great that they, they have been able to establish the running game. It's critical. And getting Leonard Fournette back in the mix will be also huge because I think Arians just pointed out, you know, 
Fournette's ability to have fresh legs in the fourth quarter, for instance, uh, is a really good asset for a team with three solid running backs. But in Tom Brady's offense, you've got to be able to have uh, consistency when it comes to pass catching out of the backfield. It's part of the reason why the team signed Leonard Fournette, because Ronald Jones was struggling with pass catching in training camp, and he's, he's got to get better at that. And I, I think we saw some of that. We've seen some of that in the early goings of the season. And if I was looking for, for two areas that needed to be boosted uh, moving forward, it would be, you know, number one, we can get into this, but the tight end production, which, which seemed to have an uptick yesterday, even though Gronkowski didn't do much, uh, and also the ability to catch passes out of the backfield. And Ronald Jones did struggle. He did have some catches. He did have some drops. Again, LaShawn McCoy was out after only a couple of plays yep. and tried to come back. Fournette couldn't play at all. We've said this uh, repeatedly. You know this. It's going to be a long season. The depth is going to be tested. But even the rookie Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a pass-catching back, yeah. got in the act in the second half, and we saw flashes of why they of why they loved him. Jeff Darlington with me again from ESPN, uh, their national football uh, reporter and insider covering Bucks and Chargers. And Jeff will probably be around covering a lot more Buccaneer home games, especially as the year unfolds here for ESPN, their NFL uh, countdown show and more on uh, on Sundays. Um, hey, veteran coordinators, I want to hit you up on this because you covered Todd Bowles when he was a head coach, but he was a coordinator with Bruce Arians in Arizona before that. Byron Leftwich is getting a lot of run and attention, and rightfully so, as Bruce Arians is offensive coordinator and even calling the plays last year and this year. Can we overstate that experience uh, at the coordinator positions and how that is helping mold this team early on in the year, Jeff? No, I mean, first of all, the defense is playing uh, really well. Uh, I mean, to the point where I, I think that that's one of the things that you'll see from Tom Brady's teams as well. Like, you, you've got to have some complimentary football going on, and Todd Bowles is definitely doing a great job of, of putting those defensive players uh, in the right position. More interesting to me is definitely the Byron Leftwood situation because from the way I understand it, number one, he's really established a really good relationship with with Tom and to the point where essentially Tom and Byron uh, have this relationship that Tom basically, Byron is serving essentially as a liaison between Tom and the rest of the coaching staff. What has surprised me about the start of the season is that uh, Arians has sort of taken a little bit of a hands-off role when it comes to sort of uh, uh, all things Tom Brady. Uh, I think we saw it in training camp and we've continued to see it where Arians seems like he's sort of just overseeing the whole team and taking this macro perspective where I think a lot of us expected the QB whisperer to be basically, you know, on Brady's shoulder the whole time. Instead, that has been Byron Leftwich. Uh, and I, I look, I, I don't know how that ends up playing out. But to date, it feels like the fact that Byron um, and Tom have such a good relationship that, yeah, I, I think that's critical to the potential success of this team. And I, I think it's a really big benefit for the offensive coordinator and for the quarterback to have that type of relationship. No doubt. Uh, and again, at the, the aftermath of that game, Brady and Byron Leftwich hugging, as you would imagine, out on the field, uh, you know, pumping fists yeah. and running off the field, kind of symbolic of the way that that game went as he matched a Buccaneer record with five touchdown passes. Thought he was going to have a shot there on the final drive before the field goal to set the record with a sixth touchdown <laughs> yeah. pass. Yeah. Uh, but it couldn't yeah. come up with the connection to Keyshawn Vaughn. They kicked the field goal 
right after that. Um, okay, the Bucks are banged up. We got to keep perspective here. It's a short they week are, with yeah. the Bears. O.J. Howard looks like out for the year. They have not officially announced that, uh, but it looks like an Achilles injury out for the year. Chris Godwin more than likely out for this game with uh, the Bears because it's a short week. There are a couple of other injuries. Is Fournette able to play? The depth is, and LaShawn McCoy now too, the depth is clearly being tested here and health mm-hmm. is going to be a big thing all over the NFL, but specifically for the Buccaneers, and it's already being tested. Uh, Jeff, tell me more about what you think uh, about that depth being tested by injury. Yeah, and specifically, you know, it's not like as much as I think that we're inclined to notice all the weapons on offense. It's not like the wide receiver position is that deep. Uh, you know, like it's solid up top, and there's a lot of weapons that make up in the pass catching game, uh, whether it's you know, the tight ends or the running backs and, and, you know, and Fournette and, and OJ Howard now gone, but like the wide receiver position, what isn't that deep either. So it puts a lot more pressure on Mike Evans. And by the way, I keep every week on countdown when I'm on ESPN countdown, I'm always talking about, this is the week for Gronk yesterday. I thought it <laughs> set up perfect for Gronk and he's still like, I don't know what's going on there. Like it's, it's, it's time for Gronk to sort of, knock off the rest of whatever rust is there and show that this is simply rust and not that he has forever lost a step. Uh, and and if there is ever a time, it's on a short week when you've lost OJ Howard and you're missing Chris Godwin uh, and Scotty Miller, you know, he's dealing with that groin issue too. I, I feel, I felt like we saw that a little bit yesterday come to fruit. Like he couldn't blaze like he normally does. So look, man, it's, it's time for Gronk to step up. And I know there's a lot of people around the organization that are looking and saying, we love this guy and we'd love to see him start to produce like we expected him to. Well, and we just, we wonder, you said it earlier, father time is undefeated. That's my line. And sooner or later, you do lose the step. I'm not saying he has, but he was away for a full year. He was beat up the final year he was playing. And we may have to understand the new reality is he can't run by people like he used to run by people, find other ways. Now, one of the incompletions yesterday, though, he was there, and Brady would probably love to have the throwback because he didn't put quite enough air under it, uh, overthrowing him a little bit, and then he did make the the leaping catch over the defender later in the game. We're still nitpicking. I mean, uh, you know, there's plenty more games and plenty more opportunities. Let's see. Time time will tell on whether or not he's still got the step, right? I I would just say that, like, also, I'm curious to see when they start – I mean, like – he doesn't have to create that much separation between him and, and the, like, and the, the, whatever, whoever's covering him. Like to me, just have him run that stupid seam route that he just mastered in new England and let him get the jump ball. Like he's still a beast. We saw it on that one catch late in the game where he just absolutely, I mean, dominated and ripped it out of the air. Like he doesn't have to be the, you know, the greatest tight end in NFL history as he proved to be in new England. But if he could just run that seam route, for instance, and just fight for some passes. Uh, and that's where I, I actually think that ultimately they will eventually come to that realization that maybe he's not the, the wide receiver that you expect him to be. Maybe he doesn't just have to be a blocker. Maybe we could just find a few things that he does really well and keep going back to that. Well, because that to me, 
um, that could that could wind up paying dividends. All right, we got to get out of here in a moment. I know you do too. And the division is shaping up interesting because Carolina won again on Sunday. The Panthers yeah. have now won back to back games. The Saints won in Detroit. Bucks will play a Sunday night game with the Saints later in the year. The Falcons, at the time that we're taping this, are on Monday night football. Uh, trying to get a win at Green Bay. There's some turmoil there, but this division will be interesting too, covering the NFC South for the for the rest of this year in these division games. Bucks don't play Atlanta, by the way, Jeff. You probably know this, but even if you didn't, the Bucks don't play Atlanta till the very end of the year. Two of the last three games are the Atlanta Falcons, so we won't see the Falcons to the very end. But we're going to see Saints and Panthers again coming soon, and the South the South will be interesting to watch as it unfolds also around the other Buccaneer marquee games. To me, the division is unfolding better than I expected for the Bucks. I thought that this would be – they'd be on the outside looking in early on when it came to the Saints. So uh, the Saints getting off to a little bit – I mean, they're, they're finding their legs, but getting off to what seems like a little bit of a sluggish start outside of that week one game against the Bucks, which honestly the Bucks could have won if they had any semblance of chemistry or discipline on offense. And – so to me, this is actually shaping up quite nicely because if the Bucks get this win against the Bears on Thursday, all of a sudden you're sitting at what four and one now? Is that yep. right? I mean, that's pretty good through five weeks of a season when you literally had no off season and basically were trying to create cohesion out of the gate. To me, I mean that's best case scenario if you're Tampa. By the way, I will double check this. Uh, I believe they have not been three and one since 2011. The last time four and one might have been the start of the 2008 season before the losses, but they were also four and one the Super Bowl year after an opening loss, Jeff Darlington to the Saints. They won four straight <laughs> games after that year too. Just saying, we'll see what happens in hey, the comparisons. So you could throw it all out of the window when Tom Brady's your quarterback. You're going to have all sorts of new records, and it's going to start to feel a little magical, more like those early 2000 years. Let's hope that it is. Let's hope that it does. Let's hope it continues with Thursday night at Soldier Field against the Bears. We'll see what happens. I love getting the chance to talk with you. Thank you for letting me bother you. We'll see you more yeah, on ESPN, Countdown, etc. Jeff Darlington, thank you for popping on Nothing But Bucks with me. Cool. We'll talk soon. And there he goes. We thank Jeff Darlington of ESPN one more time for hanging out with us here. Catch him on the NFL Countdown Show, uh, that pregame show, uh, very heavily rated, award-winning, etc. And Jeff was part of that. And again, as the Bucks come back to play the Packers and some more of these prominent home games, Jeff Darlington will be around much more. So catch him on the tube, follow him on social media, et cetera. he got a lot of complimentary things to say. The national media will continue. See, that's the thing about this before we get out of here. You change the narrative with how you play. So everybody can talk about uh, Brady doesn't have it anymore at 43 years of age, as we were talking about with Jeff after the opening game with the Saints. But you go and start winning games with him looking like he's looking, like he looked on Sunday, the narrative completely changed. And it should, it should change, rightfully so. When you have a quarterback – go 18 for his last 20 for over 270 yards and four touchdowns uh, over the course of the second half of that game. Wow. Great job. Great job by uh, by Brady, by the Bucks, and a comeback win. Again, second biggest comeback win in team history at 38-31. And immediately it is a quick week. Got to put this one away here on a Victory Monday and get ready for the Chicago Bears. Thursday night football in Soldier Field. The Bears were a 19-11 loser to the Indianapolis Colts at home on Sunday. So they get the advantage of obviously being at home and not having to travel to come back to Chicago. Short week and they're hosting the game. 
So Bucks will travel there against Nick Foles. We believe Nick Foles will still be the quarterback. He was shaky at times in this game on Sunday. They replaced the former number one pick, Mitch Trubisky, with the veteran Foles. So again, uh, Matt Nagy, the coach, We'll, we'll wait to see uh, what he decides to do. It, does he go back to Trubisky? We don't have that answer right now. Do they stick with Foles? More than likely, they're going to stick with the veteran Foles because uh, Nagy was saying uh, when he made the move for this game with the Colts that it was not a one-game situation. And unless there's an injury, they're probably going to stick with him for Thursday night football. Bears had been 3-0, and even with Trubisky struggling. Foles came on in the comeback win over the Falcons uh, back eight days ago now. So let's see if they stick with him. And, of course, there'll be all the Super Bowl talk from the Eagles' win over the Patriots back three years ago where Foles took over for the injured Carson Wentz, helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl, had the great Philly special touchdown catch on the trick play against the Patriots. So that'll be great build-up for this game on Thursday, even though both players now with different teams, Tom Brady with the Buccaneers and obviously Foles now with the Bears for this game at Soldier Field. These teams used to always meet in the NFC Central, but now don't meet uh, every year. But do, we've met, we've we played against the Chicago Bears frequently, and this year in the rotation, the NFC North, you're playing all of the North teams, and you're playing the Bears here in the first of these matchups against Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings. So that is the matchup Thursday night, Soldier Field standalone national TV game, a chance to be four and one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when it's all said and done. Let's hope they get healthier. Don't know that we're going to get any better news on Chris Godwin or Leonard Fournette to play in this game on a short week. Probably not. Don't say never, never rule them out. It's too early in the week, but probably not. O.J. Howard, unfortunately, not going to be available, likely lost for the year. Let's see if the Bucs are healthy enough. Again, the depth tested. Can LaShawn McCoy play? If not, it's going to be more playing time at running back for Keyshawn Vaughn. What about the uh, the tight end situation? Cameron Bray, Tanner Hudson going to have to step up. But I feel good, and you should too, with Tom Brady there at the helm. All right, so there you go. It's the Bucks and the Bears coming up Thursday night. That'll finish things up for this edition of the podcast. My thanks to Steve Carney helping me with the highlights and the interviews. Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. Thanks again to Jeff Darlington of ESPN for hopping on Nothing But Bucks with me as well to converse about this victory over the Chargers. Reminder, however you found us, through a social media link, Buccaneers.com, Buccaneers mobile app, subscribe, including on Apple Podcasts. Podcast will come automatically to you. We will be back after a late night Thursday night with a Friday recap podcast, highlights, interviews, and much more as part of Nothing But Bucks. So subscribe, and the podcast will come automatically to you. You can automatically also go to Buccaneers.com or the Bucks mobile app and keep checking, and you will see... Uh, the podcast up there day after game when it's all produced and edited and out. It comes to you automatically, is my point, if you subscribe. You get the notification, the ding, right away if you do it, and we encourage you to do so. That'll do it here. Three straight wins. Bucks now go to the Windy City to play the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football, standalone Thursday night game. We look forward to recapping it and look forward to talking about being 4-1, and one. Headed, headed into a mini-bye week before playing the Packers. We'll see what happens Thursday. We'll be here to talk all about it. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me on Nothing But Bucks.